the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Hi, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager. Welcome. The United States soccer team, which is in Qatar, or Gutter, as some people say. I don't know why. It's a Qah, I think, in Arabic, which is not a K. That's why it's spelled with a Q, the country. Q is Qah, and K is K. You can take it from me. I studied Arabic. Uh... I'm having a news broadcast in my earphones, gentlemen. Unless it's from here. It's from here, gentlemen. I apologize. It was from my own computer. So do I merit the punishment room for that one? A, fa- a false oh. charge? Yeah. Ow, 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 ow. Ooh, ooh. Ooh, ooh. You are going to ah. learn to be more professional. That's what you're going to do. I think this is the, the earliest we've ever had a punishment room in my uh, uh, broadcast history, somebody entered it within one minute of the opening of the show, <laughs> and that someone was me. USA make a statement. It, it we in American English we would say makes in British English it's make. When it's a collective, they use the plural verb in England. Anyway, USA makes a statement that was from the Daily Mail. At the World Cup in Qatar, by redesigning their crest with rainbow colors to show solidarity with the LGBTQ plus community, the U.S. Olympic team, the U.S., excuse me, soccer team at the World Cup. Is there any other team in the world that has done that? That will be very interesting to see. Will the French change their flag or their insignia for the team? Will the Brits? Will the Ghanaians? I'll bet not. My dear friends, this is what I am talking about when I tell you we now are the net exporter of toxic ideas. Equal rights for gay people is not a toxic idea. But it's irrelevant. The politicization of the team is what I'm talking about. You know, there are people who feel as strongly about the immorality of abortion as people feel about the immorality of inequality for gays and bisexuals and others in the LGBTQ acronym. But they don't have, uh, they haven't changed the insignia of the U.S. 
soccer team in the World Cup to show a baby in a womb. And I don't think it would be uh, the appropriate thing to do. A conservative leaves sports alone. We believe that there should be places in life that are free from all other passions other than the sport itself. That's the purpose of sports, to enable you to have a period of time when you don't think about other things. I'm not rooting for the U.S. soccer team. This did it. For me, not to root for an American team is, is like <laughs> goes contrary to my deepest sense of self, but I'm not. They're composed of wimps. This is not this is not courage. This is cowardice. This is cravenness. Do they believe on the U.S. Olympic? Oh, I keep doing Olympic team. The U.S. soccer team at the World Cup. Do they believe that men give birth? We'll talk more about that because that is the that is the statement of our time. Anything you need to know about the time in which we live is embodied in that statement that men give birth. United States men's national team has made a huge statement at the World Cup in Qatar by redesigning their crest to incorporate the rainbow flag in a bid to show solidarity with the LGBTQ+. Plus. What happened to IA? Is it an LGBTQIA+. Plus? What? Yeah, sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not. Who knows? The tournament, which starts on Sunday and sees the U.S. play their opener against Wales. Let's go, Wales! Let's go, Wales! has been hugely controversial in its build-up given Qatar's human rights record and attitude to homosexuality. As recently as this month, a Qatar World Cup ambassador told the German TV broadcaster that homosexuality was damaged to the mind and it remains illegal to be gay in the conservative Muslim country. All right. Well, you could certainly speak out against that. But to change the insignia... You think this is going to affect the people of Qatar? Oh, the American insignia has fl- uh, colors other than the colors of its flag. Gee, what is that about? Oh, LGBTQIA. That's that's going to change Qatar. Well, anyway, what what the hell are America's colors compared to the LGBTQ colors? Correct. Red, white, and blue, give me a break. Anyway, doesn't the American flag represent fascism? On the left, that's the belief. Represents racism, inequality, persecution. Uh, U.S. men's coach discusses rainbow team logo at training camp. Do, do they not understand that they are losing support in America itself? I, don't, I know it doesn't matter to them. But I wonder if they considered that, not because we're against equality, we're against the politicization of sport. That's that's what we're against. Wow. Okay, thought I'd report that to you. Another arena 
ruined by the left. Sports. Do they still have uh, Black Lives Matter inscribed on the pitcher's mound in stadiums? That's gone? Yeah, but it's not gone from the end zone in, in, uh, foot in the NFL. Really? Yeah, take a look. I, when I, I went to the Dallas Cowboys football game a few weeks ago, uh, a, uh, a donor to uh, PragerU invited me to, to his box. I was there with my son and, and grandchildren. And uh, the, in, the, the insignia, the gigantic letters in the end zone were something like, we're in it together. I mean, this was innocuous nonsense, but nevertheless, it, it was it was a political statement. And the back of the helmets too. I just learned that from Mr. McConnell. By the way, he he no longer wants us to call him Sean. I'm okay with that. I like I like going back to those days when you call people Mister. Hey guys, I like the lighting today. I don't look like a lighthouse. So why does it, Sean, seriously, in, in every end zone there was now a slogan, is that correct? Yeah, different, slogans. different slogans. And racism. Love. Well, what was the next one? What? Choose love. Choose love. <laughs> oh, God. I <laughs> See, if, if Saturday Night Live weren't just a mouthpiece for the left, they would have a ball with different insignias in, in different stadiums. <laughs> like, how about sometimes hate is appropriate? <laughs> right? Is it not true? I hate rape. I hate murder. I hate evil generally. <laughs> I remember when the city of Berkeley, this is really a long time ago, Think, do me a favor, look it up. When the, the City Council of Berkeley declared Berkeley a hate-free zone, and I announced on the radio I can no longer visit Berkeley because I do have hate, and I think it's a good thing that I do. I hate evil. In fact, my favorite verse in the whole Bible is, if you love God, you must hate evil. That's right. It's a commandment. We don't have a command form in English, but there is in Hebrew. Those of you who love God must hate evil. So I, I don't think I've been to Berkeley since they uh, announced it was a hate-free zone. I, I don't feel that it's right for me to violate their platitudes. Well, that's it. Politicize everything. There is no zone in life free from politics. What did they say? The personal is political? Remember that from the 60s? It was a phrase. Back in a moment, I'm Dennis Prager. Hey folks, coming together again after two years of waiting. I'm going on a listener cruise again. It's called Gems of Southeastern Europe. May 31 to June 13. 13 days combined land and cruise on AMA waterways. We are chartering our own ship for you and me. The cruise was just announced. It's already almost sold out. Book today at 800-345-2483 or click the banner on my website, 
Go to coastlinetravel.com. Again, everybody, we're chartering the entire boat. 800-345-2483. It will sell out. Or click the banner on my website. Or go to coastlinetravel.com. Sean is waving to me. I think he's saying, come in. He wants me to come in the studio. Is that is that what the wave was about? I see. Under the heading of pablum is what the coach and a couple of the players said. This, it said it's an amazing arrogance. These people, you know, this is the group that don't judge, right? Isn't this the group the left is always telling us, judge not lest ye be judged? Nobody's as judgmental as they are. We're going to come to Qatar, the home of the World Cup, and, and we're going to... You're going to tell them that you you too have to have drag queen story hours for your kids. Talking about drag queen story hour, here's a story. Out of, what is it, a suburb of, of Chicago, uh, Alan? Of St. Louis. Of, wait, no, it's St. Okay, I, then I, I got it wrong here in my own brain. Yeah, St. Louis suburb. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Suburban St. Louis voters reject drag shows at libraries and schools by a 40-point margin. That's fascinating. Voters in a Republican-leaning Illinois suburb of St. Louis. Oh, because I never thought of that. Illinois, southern Illinois, touches St. Louis? It doesn't touch St. Louis, but... But I mean, it's a suburb of it. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Oh my God. That is not in my brain that Illinois and and uh, Missouri border each other, or nearly border, maybe separated by water. It's in your. That's I always look at you for anything Illinois related. You went to the University of Illinois, which Urbana. Yeah. What's the if UT, the most prestigious is Austin, is there a most prestigious University of Illinois branch? Yeah. Which? Urbana. Urbana? Yeah. Oh, no wonder, you, wonder you have such a swelled head. I never understood why. It's because you went to the prestigious branch of University of Illinois. I know you so many years, and I was always wondering, why does he walk around like that? Oh, by the way, talking about knowing somebody a long time, at, at the uh, at the annual party for all the, everybody who works at PragerU, which is now over a hundred people, right? Yeah, well, it's almost one hundred twenty. Almost one hundred twenty. So David Zucker was there. Yeah. So David Zucker and his brother, the Zucker brothers, made the the classic airplane, and and both went on to sterling careers in Hollywood. David Zucker is one of the funniest people. Uh, Alan and I know. So he was there, and uh, I I told him I read about him. In uh, what, what was the Hollywood? Uh, P- it's called Deadline. Deadline. David Zucker did a video for PragerU. Would you believe it? And we've admired this man for decades. And look at what he turns out to do. Comes out as conservative. He's never hidden it, but I guess doing something with PragerU really reveals it. Voters in a Republican-leaning Illinois suburb. You see, here, here's the beauty. 
If I were at the press conference of the U.S. soccer team in Qatar, I'd have asked them, when you put out LGBT, that's transgender, so are are you under T is giving minors puberty-blocking drugs. So, Coach, uh, do you support that? Do you support having uh, kindergartners and first graders go to drag queen story hours? But of course, the press the the, the, the press gives new meaning to the word prostitution, uh, and, and and I even regret saying that because and this is not meant to be cute. I swear, I give you my word of honor, it's an insult to prostitutes. I have more admiration for prostitutes than I do for most people in journalism. I, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. My heart goes out to prostitutes. My heart doesn't go out to journalists. The profession of journalism, like virtually every other profession, is, is, is hurting this country. Maybe, permanently, maybe. So what does it mean when you say LGBT? I asked this, by the way, years ago. What does the T have to do with LNG? What does what sexual orientation have to do with sexual identity? Uh, it's amazing that lesbians and gays have allowed the T, because they're, they're, the lesbians and gays are, are, are no more likely to be courageous than straights. So it's not shocking. 40-point margin in last week's elections. According to the Madison County Clerk's Office, 69% of Glen Carbon, Illinois residents voted no this year on the ballot question, shall tax-supported libraries and schools promote drag queen events to minors? 69%. So 69 to 31. So in a Republican suburb of St. Louis, Missouri, 31% of the people said they should? That's not, it's not insignificant. I mean, obviously I'm happy about the vote, but... <laughs> I wonder if that were put up to a vote in New York City, what the vote would be. I really do. I think we should, why don't we make it, why don't we get that on on a ballot two years from now in California? Just exactly the same phrase, phraseology. That would be very interesting to see how that, that would work in California. We return in a moment. This is the Dennis Prager Show. The Dennis Prager Show. History repeats itself, and we're seeing that play out with inflation. When Jimmy Carter took office in the late 70s, gold sold for $140 an ounce. By 1980, the price of gold topped out at $870 an ounce. If today's market performs like it did when Carter was in office, the price of gold could skyrocket from $1,800 an ounce to $9,300 an ounce. This is Dennis Prager for Amfed Coin and Bullion. Don't miss out on a great opportunity to purchase precious metals while the prices are still stable. If history repeats itself, we'll see a run on gold, silver, and platinum that will certainly drive up prices. Be smart and buy now, as I am. At Amfed, you're dealing with specialists who provide you with personalized attention, honest information, and sound advice. You'll never be pressured into buying outrageously priced so-called collectible coins or anything that you don't need. Take advantage of today's prices. Amfed Coin and Bullion, 800-221-7694. AmericanFederal.com, AmericanFederal.com. 
Hi, everybody. Dennis Prager here. What's happening with the once-respected Federal Bureau of Investigation, FBI? Like so many, I grew up with the, with a an almost romantic view of the FBI. TV series would extol their virtues, their upright moral nature, the commitment to law and order, to the country, to the Constitution. And like everything else, whatever the left touches, it destroys. And the rest is history, as they say. I have a man who's been in the FBI much of his life and who's written about what has happened. The fall of the FBI is the sad title, How a Once Great Agency Became a Threat to Democracy. Thomas Baker is the author. The Fall of the FBI is up at DennisPrager.com. Thomas Baker, welcome to my show. Glad to be with you, Dennis. Thank you. How long were you with the FBI? I was in the FBI for 33 years. And since my retirement from the FBI for quite a while, I continue to be in contact with them in my second career as a consultant to the FBI Sieges Division. What division is that? The uh, Criminal Justice Information Services Division, headquartered in West Virginia, provides a lot of, of services to local and state law enforcement. Mainly, most people think of fingerprints, but they also run the national uh, national crime reports and similar things. Are you still with them? No, I... Uh, the last year or two, I've stopped, uh, pretty much stopped my consulting and have co- focused on writing. As, as I think you know, I've written uh, a dozen or more op-eds for the Wall Street Journal and others about the recent uh, turn of events in the FBI, recent over the last three or four years. And now I've just finally written this book, which you were holding in your hand a minute ago, which is going to come out on December 6th. The book is The Fall of the FBI. You can pre-order it at DennisPrager.com, go to Amazon, whatever, or anywhere that you you get your books. So do uh, former colleagues of yours know what you're doing, and do you get any pushback? Do you get support? Are you ignored? Uh, Both. I would say currently the ratio of those who reach out to me and those who I'm in contact with runs at least 10 or 20 to 1 in support of what I'm doing. You probably can see from some of the endorsements in the book, a lot of people from working agents to assistant directors have endorsed my book and my efforts. I do get pushback from a few individuals who are closely aligned uh, with with uh, some of the characters whose names you know, Comey, McCabe, and Strzok. But for the most part, uh, actually, among the retired community, yeah, well, the re- right. The retired community, it's like the professors emeritus. The retired professors are the only ones who are speaking out generally. I'm not I'm not belittling it. I'm just saying once you know you can't get fired, uh, it's a lot easier to speak out. Yes, yes, that's certainly true. Yeah, I, I unfortunately. Do you get any any communications from current FBI agents? Yes, there are several current agents, uh, more than a few, various levels in the Bureau who I've been in contact with over the past years, uh, most recent years. 
and uh, and of course I I I can't cite them by name in the book. Right, um, right. When did it begin, in your opinion? Or let me let me make I'll rephrase it. It's the same question, but I'm rephrasing. Until when was the FBI still an honorable institution? I would say the decline began under the direct directorship of Robert Mueller. Uh, it did not become apparent for several years after that. And what I think the problem is, and that's the thesis of my book, it's a cultural change. Uh, current leadership, including uh, Director Ray, focuses on the, the bad apples, if you will, uh, and each time something happens, the, the original thing by uh, Comey struck McKinney all out the door, and then more recently the the incidents with the gymnast, and more recently the ASAC in Washington Field who was helping to deep six the investigation of Hunter Biden. In each instance, they say, well, they've gotten rid of those people. They're no longer with us. They're out the door. Uh, I well, hold on there. Hold on and remember where you're at. The book, The Fall of the FBI, is up at DennisPrager.com. Thomas Baker. You all have helped build my pillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. On top of the special available to my listeners on the Percale and Giza Dream bed sheets, marked down as low as $29.98, Mike is now changing the game with his three piece towel set. This set is made with USA cotton, making it extremely absorbent yet still providing the soft feel you look for in a towel. This set comes with one bath, one hand towel, and one washcloth, typically retailing for $49.99. For a limited time, you can get this three-piece towel set for the low price of $19.98 with the promo code Prager. Don't miss out on these extraordinary offers. There's a limited supply, so be sure to order now. 800-761-6302. Use the promo code Prager or go to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener square and use the promo code Prager. If you think it's painful to you to watch the FBI deteriorate, can you imagine how Thomas Baker feels, spent his life in the FBI, and he watches it to become a political hack of the Democratic Party? It's very painful. I asked you, when do you think it began? And you spoke about Robert Mueller. He, so he became the head in 2001. I looked it up. I don't, want to, I don't want people to be too impressed with my memory on this, but I looked it up just now. He was the second longest serving director, I guess, after J. Edgar Hoover. And he had, a, he had according to you, a malevolent influence. Is that fair? That's exactly right. I, I I, I believe the origin of the, the downfall traces back to just after September 11th. Robert Mueller became the director of the FBI a mere couple of days before the attacks of 2011, September. You mean 2001, and, yeah. Yes. September, uh, yeah. September 11th, yeah, go on. Saturday morning, the 15th of September, that Saturday morning, President George W. Bush summoned him to Camp David, where Bush was in in a retreat in uh, a, a think session with his advisors. Mueller went there believing that he was there to give a report of the FBI's investigation. Now, 
there was only really three and a half days had gone by from the September 11th attacks on Tuesday to that Saturday morning. Mueller stood up, presented the report to George W. Bush, uh, and in three and a half days, the, the FBI had identified all 19 hijackers, identified their associates, identified the means of travel, their credit cards, their rental cars, everything about them, and their connections back to al-Qaeda. Mueller was quite proud of that report, and it was a good report. The Bureau had done what it does best, investigate. When he was finished speaking, President Bush dismissively said to him, I don't care about that. I only want to know how you're going to prevent the next one. Later that morning, George Tennant, then the head of the CIA, presented a proposal of a plan of action going forward. When he was done speaking, Bush, Bush said, that's great. He turned towards Mueller and said, that's what I want to hear. Mueller was humiliated. And, and I, I know that for a fact because he told me and others that on several occasions. He then set about very consciously to change the FBI's culture. And he used that word culture. And he was changing it from a law enforcement agency to an intelligence agency. Now, that had a lot of unforeseen consequences. And, and, and the key is that this, the difference in a culture of a, of a good law enforcement agency and an intelligence agency. That is truly revelatory. I, I was transfixed. In effect, so it seems to me, tell me if I'm right, he transformed, Mueller transformed the FBI into a domestic CIA. Correct. And, and what, what, the difference is this, if, I'm, if I may, Dennis, in a law enforcement agency, when it's working right, the people in it, the agents, the police officers, whatever, their whole life, consciously or unconsciously, is orientated towards the day when they're going to stand up in court, raise their right hand, and swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And that colors everything you do in law enforcement. An intelligence agency deals in deception, deceit, and their product are often best are estimates. And they call them estimates, intelligence estimates, and we would call them best guesses. So it's a whole different mindset, and that then colors everything you do. So Mueller's changing of the FBI from law enforcement to intelligence gathering was not politically motivated. Is, is, is that a fair inference for me to draw? I, I think it's a fair inference to, to draw about Mueller uh, and, and it being done. Uh, it was done in part to please the political masters, uh, but I think that's a fair inference. But it created the environment where where things could be exploited. You were no, no longer sticking to the exact truth of matters. You were presenting matters the way your political masters wanted to hear it. And the, the, the first investigation, and this is one of the things Mueller did, ever run out of FBI headquarters was the September 11 investigation, which the Bureau code name was Pent Bomb for Pentagon uh, World Trade Towers bombing. And a lot of the Bureau executives then 
including the SA, the agent in charge in New York and in Washington Field, told him this is not the way to do it. And he said he didn't care. He showed disdain for the agency charge. He showed disdain for the bureau <clears throat> traditional way of of running investigations with an office of origin and then other offices being the auxiliary offices who carried out their leads. So that's that's what what Mueller did and set a big precedent, which then followed when the Comey, who was hand-chosen by Mueller, Comey then did the Hillary Clinton and the the Russian collusion investigation out of headquarters. So what, what you did in that process, you lost a lot of levels of review where the field agent would do the investigation. It would be by his supervisor in the field, the agent in charge in the field. The headquarters would have a general oversight of it. All these levels of review were done, and we find in in all those investigations I just cited, uh, specifically Clinton and then the the, uh, the Russian collusion investigation, we find the same people doing the investigation, like Strzok, for instance, who are actually making the decisions about the investigation. There was no levels of review. There was no independent judgment. It was bound to end badly. All right, we'll have a final segment with you. This is all new to most people. Thomas Baker of the FBI, author of The Fall of the FBI. It is up at DennisPrager.com. We return in a moment. The Dennis Prager Show. The Fed is unstable. Interest rates could go up at any moment. If you're relocating and need to buy a new home or invest in real estate, get fully underwritten and approved with Andrew Del Rey and Todd Avakian at Sierra Pacific Mortgage before you make an offer. Their fast-track approval process will allow you to compete with cash offers, whether you're buying today, tomorrow, or a year from now. Even though housing prices are stabilizing or coming down, economic uncertainty, supply chain issues, and limited construction means the real estate market is limited and competitive. Go to andrewandtodd.com. That's andrewandtodd.com right now. Get fully approved today and have confidence so that when you're ready to buy, you'll have the money ready to go. Don't wait. Go to andrewandtodd.com. Lock in today's still historically low rates. Go to andrewandtodd.com. That's andrewandtodd.com. Hi, everybody. Final segment with Thomas J. Baker, the fall of the FBI for both the living martyr, my producer, and myself, this has truly been revelatory. The change of the FBI, I guess this is the original sin, according to Thomas Baker, who spent decades in the FBI. So the obvious question on everybody's mind today, or not everybody's, half the country's mind, is, I guess, two questions. Is the FBI redeemable? And if so, how would that happen? Well, I hope and pray that it's redeemable, and how it, it happens it, is twofold. One, internally, there has to be a commitment to change the culture, and there's been a lot of books written on how people change the culture in corporations and in government agencies. It can be done. A lot of things have to be done, both big and small. But the first thing is to recognize the problem, and I, I hope they're beginning to recognize the problem at Bureau Headquarters, 
up until now, each each instance we get the explanation from Ray and others that, well, we fired that guy, we fired these bad apples. Well, it's not just a few bad apples. They have to look at what's creating the environment that allows these bad apples to rise to the top. That's one thing. So that's an effort inside that requires recognizing the problem. The second thing is there is a role for Congress. Uh, and it seems that on the House side, the House Judiciary Committee issued a report of over a thousand pages pointing out an awful lot of the problems. They really didn't point out, to my reading of it, exactly how to address the problems, but there are things that require congressional action and can be done specifically as to reforming FISA and items like that. That's a role for Congress to take on. What do you think of Christopher Ray? Well, I, I still don't see him, to, to, to quote others, I don't see him as the devil. Uh, he's, he's in a difficult position. He's been in a difficult position. What he has to do is recognize this is a cultural problem. He has fired or, or presided over the firing of a lot of the rotten apples or rotten potatoes, as he calls them. But they have to recognize the problem, and, and I hope he does. Uh, and it, it, a director of the FBI is constrained uh, by reporting directly to the attorney general, which is the way we want it in our constitutional system. Uh, but like in opposing uh, Eric, uh, the, the current attorney general's orders about monitoring school board meetings, uh, the bureau internally, I know for a fact, a lot of the agents in charge did not like that and made it be known within the bureau. Who ordered that? Uh, we have just a few seconds. Who ordered that? Who ordered it? Yeah. The attorney general ordered the FBI and the U.S. Attorney's okay. Office. Well, Merrick Garland, the... the it's a the, very big the, problem. All right, listen, I, I, we got to go. I'm sorry about that. You really, you, you, you have established great credibility with me and my listeners. The fall of the FBI, it's up at DennisPrager.com. Thank you. Hi, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager. I noted last hour a story from outside of St. Louis, St. Louis suburb voted by a 40-point margin on the ballot question, shall tax-supported libraries and schools promote drag queen events to minors? 40-point margin, they said no. And as I noted then, I would love to have this on the, on the California ballot. I think we should do that. Let's try to promote that. Just this exact same question, n- neutral like that. So further down in this article about the vote in the St. Louis suburb, it notes the following. After the results came through last week, Glenn Carbon Library Director Christine Gerrish. Glenn Carbon is, is what, the, the suburb there of, of St. Louis? Is that, is that it? Yeah. Glenn Carbon... Library Director Christine Gerrish noted to local KSDK Channel 5 News that the drag story times, quote, were some of the best attended programs of the summer. 
with 60 attending the adults-only event and 50 attending the children's drag event. You know how much language is new in the United States of America? Like, men give birth, that's, that's new language. Non-binary is new language. As, as recently as 10 years ago, nobody would have known what you're talking about if you would say, are you non-binary? People wouldn't have known what you were talking about if you asked, what is your preferred pronoun? They would have no clue. For all of American history, for all of world history, what is your preferred pronoun? So here's a new language, children's drag event. Right? That's brand new language. A summer record request from the Federalist revealed local librarians coordinating with the faculty advisor of the Collinsville, Illinois Public High School's Homosexual and Transsexual Support Club. There's new language. I'll bet you you guys didn't have a homosexual and transsexual support club in high school. Why do we even need it? You should all watch my video. When did it come out, Alan? Um, uh, what, what, I, what every high school principal should say. It, that went viral. Yeah. It went viral in print and it went viral in, in video. Yeah. Was it like eight years ago? No, no, not that long. No? Like five. Five years ago? You should all see it. I give a talk on what I would like every high school principal to announce. And one of the things that I wrote and then delivered was, in our high school, there will only be clubs based on interests, not on any other criterion. Not on race, not on sexuality, not on gender, not on anything. There will be a French history or or American literature club or a checkers club or a chess club. There won't be any other clubs. There's a homosexual and transsexual club at a suburban St. Louis school. Oh, my God. And they promote the events. Now, why would homosexuals promote transsexual events? My gay friends think that they are as repulsive as I do. Why, why, uh, why is that? Apparently, a lot of gays, by no means all, but a lot of gays are just interested in completely overthrowing the sexual mores of the society. If it's chaos, it must be good, which is the motto of the left in general. Okay, so I have another thought on this issue. So all these librarians who are promoting drag queen story hours in their libraries, well, guess what? 85% of the country's librarians are female. The role of women in sexualizing children is another brand new subject in life. For all of history, women were regarded as the guardians of children's sexual innocence, not the destroyers of children's sexual innocence. Amazing change, isn't it? 
In a generation, women have gone from protectors of children to abusers of children. It shows you the power of indoctrination. People can be indoctrinated, I am now of the belief, into anything. Literally anything. If enough people say, wake up every day and slit your wrists, people will wake up every day and slit their wrists. All you need is enough people saying that that's what you should do. To, to have so changed female nature... There's another article in this regard. This is written by a left-wing woman in The Hill. It's the women, stupid. Yep. I couldn't have said this article any better than this woman from the left. Lauren Leader, an opinion contributor to The Hill. The balance of power in Congress following the midterm elections is still to be determined, but one thing is clear. Women showed up and delivered for Democrats and for abortion rights across the country. The polls predicting women were breaking right en masse were dead wrong. Were breaking right en masse. I didn't read it with a proper emphasis. The polls predicting that women were breaking right, that is Republican, en masse were dead wrong. The punditry that abortion didn't matter was wrong. Conventional political theory holds that it's always the economy, stupid. Not anymore. Maybe it's time the media and political world recognize that now it's the women, stupid. Remember the famous Bill Clinton line, it's the economy, stupid? Now it's the women, stupid. As go the women, so goes the country. And she's right. That's correct. If it weren't for women, I'm not sure any Democrat would be elected especially single women. God, I remember having on my show a professor long time ago wrote a book on the superiority of women. And I have to say, he was one of the sweetest authors I ever interviewed, and the book was just stupid. And very politely, I told him that. I didn't, I didn't in any way insult him. But it, it, his arguments were untenable. But in case you do think women are superior, now look at the United States. If you think we're going in the right direction, then the dream of a world run by women, isn't that a common feminist phrase? Men have screwed it up for so long. Let's hand things over to women. Well, we did. We handed over our elementary schools. We handed over our electorate. We handed over our libraries. Are you happy? That's the question. Women have turned every election since 1980. Wow. They are more likely to be registered to vote and more likely to turn out than men. But you never know it from the way elections are covered. Somehow they are always a political footnote. I wouldn't say that, but it doesn't matter. Yep. Women are more complex than what the press says. Well, I don't, I don't know about that. Yes, the economy matters, and in binary polling questions, it was a top issue. But as early exit polls are showing, it's more complicated than that. 
the Supreme Court Dobbs decision drove a voter registration surge and motivation to turn out among the coalition of women that Democrats needed and made a huge difference in the election. Abortion was a high motivator. Everything focused on that. Okay, so that's another non-admirable aspect of many women today. Abortion, unlimited right to abortion. You know what that means? That means that a lot of women are not prepared to think morally. The question in life that you ask is not, is it good for me? You ask, is it good? Is it good for me has nothing to do with, is it good? We'll return. I stare at a bright red sun I search all day and never find anyone Hi everybody, phone number is 1-8-Prager-776 By sheer chance, and I, and I mean that, I have a guest here. I did not even know she was coming into the studio. She lives in Florida. She works for PragerU, however, and in fundraising or development. That's what you guys call it. Mm-hmm. And she was here for the annual get-together of everybody who works for PragerU. And it was, it was a high. I, I was at the event last night as well. Annabella Rockwell is her name. She's a descendant of folks who were on the Mayflower. Then I wonder if they knew my uh, my predecessors, who were at the time being chased by anti-Semites in Poland. <laughs> That's just dark humor. I actually am a big fan of Poland today, and I told you folks what a great experience I had on a lot of Polish Airways last week. Anyway, uh, it, it, it is a pleasure to have you, and I want you on because your story is important for people to hear. So you came from a conservative family. and mm-hmm. Where is your family? What state? Uh, they're in Florida now, but I'm from New York originally. Oh, that explains everything. <laughs> she was from New York. <laughs> well, <laughs> what borough? But I'm not Jewish. <laughs> what borough? Yeah, right. No, there are, there are non-Jews in, in New York. What, what borough? From the Upper East Side, 72nd and 2nd. Really? Mm-hmm. Not many Rockwells on the Upper East Side. <laughs> More on the Mayflower. Yeah. Well, we're buried in Brooklyn, actually, the Rockwells. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That makes, makes more sense. <laughs> so anyway, so you, uh, you grew up in a conservative home mm-hmm. and then went to college. Mm-hmm. What happened? I was indoctrinated. It's as simple as that. I was raised um, always being told I could do whatever I wanted. I was a competitive figure skater. I was independent. And... As soon as I went to school, I, you know, I'd also been raised going to church. I turned away from that very quickly, turned towards, you know, the party culture and that sort of searching for something. And in my classes, I studied history and politics at Mount Holyoke. It's the oldest women's college in the country, founded in 1837. And every class was, you know, history, but history with race, history with gender. And I took an intro to gender studies course my junior year, and they told me, 
um, that I had been oppressed my entire life and I didn't even know it, that there was an underlying patriarchal bias inherent in absolutely everything. So I started to look at the world from a lens of being a victim. I would fight with my mother. I would fight with my grandmother and say, you guys don't understand. Like, you're you're a woman. Like, you've had it so bad. And they would look at me cross-eyed. And I caused fights and problems. And I really felt that I had to be on the defense constantly. And when I graduated in 2015, I was entering entering the world from this place of I have to fight. I constantly have to fight because I, everyone thinks I'm less than. Wow. You know how I know it's authentic what you're saying? Because it came out so fluently. You have heard it so often, how you're oppressed and and all of that. Mm -hmm. You you could say it in your sleep. Mm -hmm. So you... So you learn to be a victim. Correct. So it's ironic because I talked about that in my talk to the to the whole Prager U uh, last yes. last night. Uh huh. When I said about the girl <laughs> who lined up at one of my college uh, talks mm-hmm. and said, "Are you saying women are not oppressed?" And I said, "Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying." <laughs> so when you, I'm just curious, when mm-hmm. you said to your parents, "You don't," or to your mother, mm-hmm. "You don't realize how oppressed you are." What, what did your mother say? Oh my God, my daughter's flipped out. Well, how did she react? Oh my gosh, yes, she was calling prayer lines. She was calling cult deprogrammers. I would have called prayer lines. Yeah, I'm not, you're not my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, for you to tell your mother, Ma, you don't know how oppressed <laughs> you are. Did your father hear this too? Um, not as much. I kind of looked at him a little bit as the enemy because he was like the oh, white right. male of had course. been a stockbroker. You know, I oh. was like, he's not even really worth it. I have to show my mother that she doesn't know that she's a victim too. Do you have siblings? I'm an only child. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I feel for them. Me too. They're one child mm-hmm. and, and basically lost to them. It was Did like, you feel lost to your parents or they're lost to you? Yeah, I was cut off financially i cut myself off from them contact for a while emotionally i was staying i would stay actually with friends from college and um my you know i'm sure the intentions were good but my peers professors they would kind of encourage this disconnection from my family oh good i need to i need to pursue that subject Mm -hmm. annabella rockwell who is in for from uh, florida works for prager u Feel alright. Somebody help me feel alright tonight. Now we gone. Hello everyone, Dennis Prager here. By sheer fluke, this has happened. I had zero knowledge, let alone planning, that I would have this interview. But all the people who work for Prager U, about 120 from all over the country, came last night to the headquarters in Southern California. And among them is Annabella Rockwell, who works in development. She lives in Florida. And I just learned of, she asked if she could visit the show. I said, of course. She's going to be taping, we have a great series of PragerU. What is it called? Stories of Our Lives? No, Stories of Us. Stories of Us, yeah. Stories of Us. They're everyone, everyone is riveting. I, I was one of the subjects once. I mean, people from truly every background you can imagine. And it's very uh, heartwarming in most cases. Some people tear up when they tell their story. So Annabella 
will be recording her story for Stories of Us. And her story is dramatic. We're talking now about you're the only child of, of parents. It's, it's mm-hmm. a serious thing, mm-hmm. what happened. Yeah. And you went to college and learned you were oppressed. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you don't know how, what, well, you probably do. It's called Prager U after all. But what kindred spirits we are. Because mm-hmm. I tell people all the time, you get, uh, what is it? You get, oh yes, you get a BA in ingratitude, a master's in ingratitude, and a PhD in ingratitude at an American university. Mm-hmm. So you learned, basically, those are not the terms you used, to be ungrateful for America, ungrateful for your parents, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, for everything. For everything. You're just a victim. I'm a victim. So I know this is a, a funny question, but I actually mean it, and I'm not sure it's answerable. How does it feel to be a victim? Um, it's, it's heavy. It's just very heavy. You're anxious, you're depressed, because you're entering every scenario, and I really mean everything from this lens of it's against me. You can find bias in the most simple things, there's a picture on this um, microphone, and I would have been able to think, oh, well, like, why does the girl have a ponytail? That's some sort of weird patriarchal bias. It's, it doesn't matter what it is. It's that inanimate. is great. That is a wonderful example. It's the relief factor box. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that superb. By, by, by the way, I use that as proof of how little racism, how little sexism there is in the country that that's what people, they have to make it up. Yeah. It's all made up. Yeah. And then you had the alienation from your parents, which mm-hmm. was also cultivated at college. Mm-hmm. How did they cultivate that? Um, you know, little by little, oh, you have to fight your family at the Thanksgiving dinner table. If you hear someone say something racist, your uncle, your your mother, you're this, you have to shut them down. You have to fight them. It's your responsibility. You have to teach everyone. You know, as, as the woman that's now aware of my oppression, it's my duty to tell everyone in my family how they're living incorrectly, how they are oppressors. How even though my mother gave me everything and raised me and at one point was actually a single mom, my parents were back together, which is amazing. But, you know, I had I had to to fight her and and expose to her what she didn't know, you know, it was my duty. And and I alienated myself. And in that alienation, the friends and the peers and the even the professors that encouraged it, they offer their homes and their space for you to go to. So they encourage the alienation by, you know, you must cut yourself off, like physically and emotionally. Like, don't go see them. Come stay with us instead for a holiday. You know, I, I stayed, there are a few summers that I just stayed on campus and I worked there. I worked in the, in the development and the admissions office, actually. So it's, they, they really... It happened to me. I was encouraged to just cut off my relationship. Well, it's, it's amazing that that you are where you are now. Yeah. What happened? Well, I left school anxious, depressed, and with a drinking problem. <laughs> um, but I I had that need to go, you know, work in on political campaigns. So I joined some some leftist political campaigns. Um, and it wasn't until you know. 2018, when I was about 25, I ended up moving back down to Florida to work for the Florida Democratic Party, actually, on on a progressive campaign. And um, 
simultaneously made lifestyle changes, stopped drinking, found God again. I started to believe in something bigger than myself. And as soon as that happened, the hold that all these ideas had on me started to slip away a little bit. I was no longer looking at things from the lens of oppression, but I still believed in, in systematic racism and that, you know, women were oppressed and and a lot of these ideas. But in 2020, I, I remember I was home, everyone was locked down, and I was looking at social media, and my social media was totally an echo chamber, right? It's all these people I went to elite college with or worked on campaigns with or, you know, people living in New York and Boston who were totally uh, separated from anything, you know, any of the riots. And I remember seeing them say, like, riot is your First Amendment, no justice, no peace, burn it down, everyone's putting up black squares. And finally, I was like, this is just so hypocritical. Why are we burning down businesses in the name of empowerment? Like, it just, it doesn't make sense. And in that, in that headspace, and in that moment, and in my echo chamber of just very liberal people on social media, a PragerU video popped up. PragerU video entered my newsfeed, and it was, are the police racist? And I remember clicking on it because that title, it's just a question. It can go either way. You can just be reinforcing what you already know. And I watched it. And in the first 40 seconds, everything I had thought was totally dismantled. And from there, I fell down the PragerU rabbit hole and I started to watch more videos. And one of my favorite parts about PragerU is because it is online, it's anonymous. So I was able to go through this kind of psychic change and ideological change and I didn't have to out myself yet as a conservative. I was able to really like dig deep into it um, before I kind of approached the subject with people. But yeah, Prager you. I mean, you saved my life. <laughs> and I really mean that. I'm I very, really, really I'm mean very, that. Very moved. You're an impressive young woman. Thank you. Very eloquent. That was very, very powerful. So people will be able to see your whole story, actually, at PragerU, right? At uh, yeah. Stories of Us. Yeah, once when, when it's done. Yeah, mm-hmm. when it's done. Well, we're, we're honored to have you with us. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. Yes, this is it. The Ultimate Issues Hour, the third hour every Tuesday. Great Issues of Life. You might call it the Wisdom Hour, but it would sound a little too self-aggrandizing if I said the Wisdom Hour, but that's what it's about, wisdom. Wisdom is the most important thing in life. Wise people do much more good than fools, and our society doesn't teach wisdom, so we're packed with fools. I'm adjusting my microphone. That is the noise you are hearing, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. No, thank you. Topic today is the topic of my Tuesday column. There are 1,000 of my columns up on the Internet, 50 a year, 20 years. Today is one of the most important things I ever wrote about and therefore will speak about, and I... I'm embarrassed to tell you that I just came up with this realization a few weeks ago. It's so obvious the moment you hear it that you think, oh yeah, I knew that, but you probably didn't. I, my own idiosyncrasy, 
is that I think best under pressure. And that has been a good thing for me because I'm under pressure, obviously, for three hours doing a radio show. I don't mean tension. I don't have tension. But pressure. I I have to do a lot of things right. I have to make sense. I have to keep you interested. I have to say important things. And when I am questioned, I'm under pressure, certainly when I'm in a debate, and I think best then. And that's what happened a few weeks ago. I do a fireside chat every single week for PragerU. It has a lot of viewers around the world, mostly young people. It's a half hour in which I spend the first 10 or so minutes saying things that are on my mind and then taking questions, again, mostly from young people around the world. A young man sent in a question a few weeks ago. He's torn. He doesn't know how to figure out who is telling the truth on any given issue, the right or the left. Can I offer him any guidance? So, under pressure, I came up with the following response. I began with, you have to read a lot, you have to use common sense, all of which is true. And then I had, if you will, an epiphany. And I said to him, looking into my camera on the fireside chat set in my home, But here might be the best indication of who's telling the truth and who's not. Truth tellers don't censor. Liars do. See which side is censoring the other. And you have a pretty, pretty good indication of who's not telling the truth. Liars censor. Truth tellers don't. And as I said it, I thought, whoa, 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 DP, you came up with a really important insight. And that is the title of my column today up at DennisPrager.com, TownHall.com, and many other sites in the course of the week. Between left and right, how do you know which side isn't telling the truth? And here's the answer. The side that is censoring isn't telling the truth. It is it is a rule ninety-nine percent of the time, maybe a hundred. Ann Coulter went to Cornell University last week, it's her alma mater, and leftist fascists shut her down, screamed, banged drums, yelled, shouted. And she spoke for a total of seven minutes. We don't do that to the other side because we're not afraid of the other side's views. In fact, the more you hear the left exposed with a response from the right, the better it is for the right. That's why I take opposing calls first on my show. That's why I take opposing questions from the floor at speeches, especially at colleges. First, conservatives don't shut down 
the left. The left shuts down conservatives. Why do they protest when conservatives come to a campus? They have the whole campus for four years. They own students for four years. They indoctrinate for four years. They allow no countervailing ideas in the vast majority of colleges in this country. Why the hell are they afraid of one conservative speaker for an hour or an hour and a half? Why? Because they're lying and they know they're lying subconsciously, if not consciously, and that some truth teller comes in for an hour, it can upset the entire four-year lie. Here's a great example. Men give birth. That's a lie. It's as pure a lie as exists. I can't think of a statement, the, the earth is flat, is no more a lie than men give birth. Okay? Everybody knows it's a lie. Everyone. Even people on the left. It's just pure falsehood. It is the opposite of truth. Now, if you want to say trans men give birth, ah, okay, then you might, you might have something that you can say that isn't a pure lie. But they don't say that. Why don't they say trans men give birth? Ah, because they want you to believe the lie that they have become a man. Then they don't remain a trans man. Trans man and man are not the same. Doesn't mean you mistreat these people at all. I've never called for it. I've never hinted at it. But there is a difference between a man and a trans man. You had to go to graduate school to believe there's no difference. So what happens? The lie is said that men give birth. That pure, undiluted falsehood. So, what happens if you say, that's not so, I'm sorry, but men do not give birth. Only women do. Then, they either debate you, that's one option, or they call you a hater, a transphobe, and shut you down, and kick you off pre-Musk Twitter, Facebook Google, YouTube, right? They kick you off. So here's a perfect example of something every single one of you knows is a lie, that men give birth. And yet, they don't allow you to say, men do not give birth, only women do. The side that's lying shuts down the other. That's the way it works. That's how you know the left lies, because they're the ones who are involved in what is known as cancel culture. Cancel culture is entirely from the left. 1-8 Prager 776, This this is an ultimate issue. How do you know who's lying? That's the answer. The one that wants the other one shut down. 1-8 Prager 776 Is there a flaw in my argument? If there if you can't identify one, this is a very big deal. It might be a way to possibly, possibly get through 
to your left-wing son or daughter. Or grandson or granddaughter or nephew or niece or husband or wife even. Which side is shutting down the other? And why isn't that a perfect indicator that that's the side that isn't telling the truth? We don't care if the left speaks. They care if we speak. Tell me, would you please? How could I possibly have needed so much more? All right, everybody. Dennis Prager here. One eight Prager seven seven six. The ultimate issues hour. How do you know which side is is lying? If if indeed there is lying involved, and the general, my general response, and I'm open to challenges and alternate views. The side that censors is not telling the truth. So we have some challenges, which is wonderful because then that sharpens my thinking. We'll begin with Chuck in Cleveland. Hello, Chuck. My good man, thank you for your wonderful show. I like to listen as much as I can. Um, we're a conservative area, bread area in Cleveland, Ohio, but I do have some leftist friends. I try to get along with people. I don't like arguing politics. It gets just nowhere in our lives. So anyways, we were talking the other day, and the subject sort of came up, because we're talking about CRT and the 1619 Project or whatever this stuff is, and I don't believe it should be in schools, and I don't think that's what we should be teaching our kids. And he's saying, what does that mean? Why would you want them to hear alternative stuff? Blah, blah, blah. And he sort of was making your, what you're talking about because they, we want to shut that out of the schools, and he was making this point, and I thought maybe you could take what I just said and sort of right. throw it at me back. You well, because by, by definition... We censor what students, especially young students, learn. That's why we, we. That's why we're opposed to drag queen story hour. Are we censoring drag queen story hour because we're opposed to truth? Because we want to lie? No, because it's not appropriate for that age group. We don't want kids indoctrinated. So if you offered normal American history. And then said is that in addition, there are those who say that America was not founded in 1766, but in 1619. I would have no problem with that. But the those who are getting the, the 1619 project, that's the American history they're taught. It isn't done within the context of truth. It's done as if that's the whole truth. Yeah, so it's their truth. It's their truth. Well, what not they just not, well. Yeah, all right, but but even so, we have to answer the charge. Well, aren't you censoring? But everybody censors what is given to to what children in school. That's the definition of teaching. We we don't right. expose them to everything. We don't have fifth graders read Mein Kampf. <laughs> but it's okay if a college student reads Mein Kampf. Uh, so, okay, anyway, I'm glad you raised that because I want to answer any uh, any of the uh, problems that you might have with my theory. You know the one, it's a quick but pretty accurate rule. You know the one that is lying by the one that doesn't want anyone to hear the other side. 
Those who say men give birth are lying, and if you say men do not give birth, you are shut down. That's the, that's a per, that's the perfect example of the time in which we live. Uh, Orange, California, and TJ. Hello, TJ. Hello, Dennis. I, I was just saying exactly what the last caller said. We are accused of censorship because we're not allowing uh, gender studies in our libraries and stuff like that. Right. Well, again, this is schools. We certainly allow gender studies in adult libraries. No, but well, I, I've never... I'm sorry? How about movies and television? Some people boycott programs because they now show, like, the um, Hallmark Channel is now showing homosexuality, and a lot of people are walking away right. from that. Right. Well, the issue, the issue there isn't truth or, or falsehood. The issue there is what, what do you think is appropriate to watch and what not based on your values. It's not a truth issue. I'm, talking, I'm, I'm not talking about acceptable. I'm talking about truth. Okay, that, that's understandable. All right, yeah, no, it's my, my, right. That's exactly an imp- no, it's an important question. That's right. Anyway, by the way, just for the record, and I know this from my gay friends, that uh, well, I don't know it from them, but that, I better, better, more accurate, they know it as well, and they acknowledge this. Whether you're liberal or conservative, most heterosexual men do not enjoy watching naked uh, males. Uh, in intimate settings, okay? That that has nothing to do with liberal or conservative. Wasn't there a recent a, a gay film uh, which uh, bombed at the, at the uh, box office? Just as, uh, as a general rule, uh, heterosexual males, ma- liberal or conservative, just don't want to watch naked men cavorting. They're more than happy to watch naked women cavorting, for the record. So you can't even argue that it's anti-gay. It's, it's a matter of psychology and the way one is made. 1-8 Prager 776 Aaron in San Diego, California. Hello. Hey, Dennis. I appreciate this topic. It's pretty interesting. But we routinely censored communists and even barred their entry from the country until um, good into the right. 20th so, century. Right, so bar- did that make bar- us liars? Right. So, okay. Barring entry, we barred the entry of Nazis during World War II. It's not because we thought Nazism was true. It's because we we felt felt that that it was a mortal threat to the society, and I don't know of any communist works that were banned from libraries. I studied communism; that was my field of study in the seventies. I read everything. I read when, when was when was the Communist Manifesto ever banned in America? I'm sh- I would bet local jurisdictions they don't have to Google it, but wouldn't the left say that the that the views they're censoring are a mortal threat? Well, it's a mortal threat to say that men don't give birth. If that's what they say, then we're in worse condition than I thought. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of Pragertopia. 
You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.